0: You're listening to Heather Solves Everything, a show about discovering strengths and solving problems. So what are we waiting for? Let's
1: get into it.
0: Welcome back to another episode of Heather Solves Everything. This is the show where I take credit for solving your problems by introducing you to the people who actually can. I'm Heather, and my friends call me Healthy Heather because I'm a National Board Certified Health and Wellbeing Coach. That means that it's my job to make sure that Everybody who wants to has access to all of the tools they need to live healthy, balanced lives. And I especially love finding out how people who I admire achieve their big goals without living in extremes. And the key word there is big goals. That's a relative thing, isn't it? I mean, what's... A big deal for you right now might not be a big deal to somebody else. It might not have been a big deal in the past, and suddenly now it is. Whatever is the big deal in your life right now, I want to bring you the conversations that help you get closer to it. And I'm on that journey, too, and that's why I created this show. I'm taking you along with me as I figure out how to live in balance. And today, I'm talking to Dana Brooks. She's a Tallahassee-based attorney with Fasic Brooks and author of Functional Feminism, An Apolitical Guide to Women's Empowerment. You can find that on Amazon and wherever books are sold. comes in paperback, and you can read it on your Kindle. Now, before Dana became an attorney, she has done everything on her journey to balance. She was a paralegal a law firm administrator, a mental health counselor, a Supreme Court certified family law mediator. And you gotta read the book to figure out and to learn about all of the different motivations for those unique experiences. Her experience and reputation as a medical malpractice defense paralegal, combined with what she did in law school, provided a huge opportunity for the very unique situation of being sworn in as an attorney in the morning and named partner of a law firm in the afternoon. I mean, who does that? And that was 15 years ago. There are many more years ahead. Dana, I've got a lot of questions for you. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much, Heather. It's great to be here. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. So are you ready to solve everything?
1: I'm ready. It was on my last checkoff for today's to-do list. Excellent, to-do, then. So let's, let's get, get it into done. it. To
0: it. <laughs> I remember seeing you um, unboxing your book on your Facebook page. Yeah. You guys, if you go on Facebook and you look for, is it the Empower we Hour? have We have
1: a, a Facebook group called the Empower Plant. That's what And it then is. I have a show every Thursday at 4.30, the Empower Hour.
0: Okay. The Empower Plant mm-hmm. group and lots of fun, lots of strong, amazing women in that group, lots of inspiration, and then the Empower Plant um, which is a conversation um, program about all kinds of different topics. And I remember seeing Dana talking about her book coming out, and I was intrigued by the title, Functional Feminism, An uh, Apolitical Guide to Women's Empowerment. But the functional feminism part really stood out to me. Tell me about what that title means to you and why you chose it.
1: Uh, that was a pretty painful process because I I realized I was writing a book about feminism and I was writing it with a a coach who um, helps other people write books on whatever they're an expert in their field. And, um, she was like, "Oh, that's a real lightning rod, you know. Book to have it in your title, maybe put it in the subtitle." And I'm like, "Well, you know, that is what I'm writing about, and the whole reason I'm writing the book and the why I call it an apolitical guide is because I'm trying to reach everybody, um, all women in support of other women, and any man who wants to get on board and be in support of women. And I use the term functional because I feel like fu- uh, feminism has been a very dysfunctional word." It was very divisive. It put people into camps. You had LGBTQ feminism. You had black feminism. You had white feminism. And it was like everybody's gobbling it up for themselves and leaving other people um, behind them. And I just felt like that's not getting us anywhere. We need to find some way to come together and focus more on the things that we can agree on and then be respectful of the things we differ on.
0: I really resonated with that. And that's what I got from it. Mm -hmm. You know, seeing the word functional paired with feminism made it feel like it was for me. Because as you say in, it's either in the foreword or in the um, introduction Mm -hmm. that the word feminism is kind of like a lightning rod. And it's one where you either kind of like connect or you don't. And I like practical application. I I enjoy, you know, theoretical conversations about concepts, but then if we can't apply it in our everyday lives, I I lose interest pretty quick. And um, I loved the concept of functional feminism. And I also love the the idea that this book is not just for women. Right. You know, it's not anti-male. At all. And I think sometimes feminism has some of that um, connotation to it. Right. And I really appreciate the fact that you didn't go there.
1: Well, I mean, it it doesn't make any sense to go there. I mean, whether you like it or not, men are still in the predominant decision-making roles in the world, certainly in our country. Um, They got there first. They got to make the rules. If we got there first, we probably would have made the rules that are newer to our benefit. But they are there, and they're not us versus them. Um, I believe everybody can become enlightened, whether they're actively on that journey or not. Um, And most people will admit what they don't know. They know what they know. They don't know what they don't know. And so I found a lot of men very receptive to what I was saying. Nobody wants to be put into factions and knocked along. People are looking for the knowledge that helps them to have a better life on every level. And I think if men and women understand each other, I think if we let go of some of those very rigid gender concepts and understand what that's about, just enter this with an open mind because the world's rapidly changing and everybody's wondering what their place is in it. But I'm trying to start a discussion, a respectful discussion about that with the book.
0: Guys, the first time that I talked to Dana, I interviewed her for um, a story that I wrote about her as part of the 25 women you need to know in our town, Tallahassee. And I did a little bit of research before our conversation, and I thought – Okay, I'm talking to a trial attorney who is on every other billboard in town. Her picture is on the buses driving all over the place. It's obvious she knows what she's doing and I had no idea what to expect. And I absolutely loved hearing your story of it was absolutely it was completely the opposite of what I expected.
1: I hear that a lot. And
0: <laughs> I, I would love for you to share it now because it's a, a lot of it is, ha- is what inspired you to write this book in the first mm-hmm. place. So tell us a little bit about all of those unique experiences that I listed out when I was um, introducing you and how those got you to where you are now.
1: Okay, yeah, that's uh, as good a place as any, I guess. Um, yeah, I graduated law school three days before I turned 40. And a lot of people don't realize that they think i've been doing this forever but um no i did what most people do from my background i was raised in um, the american south and the women in my world in my orbit they got married to you know a good stable husband pretty much as soon as they could, (laughs) and then started their families, and that was their major emphasis in in life was to create that beautiful home, and most of them had to work outside the home, but they had jobs more so than the careers. It was to supplement the income uh, while they could still primarily focus on their home and their children and their husbands, so I kind of did that, and I didn't find it terribly rewarding. I wanted more I wanted a, a career. I wanted, well, I wanted all of it. I, I still wanted to be married and have children. And so I um, moved. I was working in a, a law firm. I had an AS, paralegal degree. And uh, so that did me very well for many, many years. Great degree. Um, but eventually, I wanted to do more. I wanted to complete my education. And then that led me to getting a bachelor's in social work and then a master's in social work. I thought I wanted to be a counselor. I tried that in different environments. I worked at an inpatient psychiatric hospital. Uh, that was very, that was very educational, not as rewarding for me. I, I found that I wasn't that great of a listener. I was more of an advocate, and I, and I was ready to go knock heads and, mm-hmm. and solve this person's problems rather than listen to them and help them get their head around them. Uh, so that didn't last terribly long, and then I became a family law mediator. I found that enriching to a certain degree. I liked helping people solve their problems, but I wasn't helping them solve a very long-term problem. Mm-hmm like how to co-parent well once this relationship dissolves, how to not put your children against each other. I I didn't have the benefit of my parents having a healthy divorce. It was very unhealthy and toxic, their uh, extreme hatred for each other. I didn't want that, and I knew how how damaging that could be to a child growing up in that environment. So I wanted to help with that. But that's hard to do just meeting a a family or a couple for a three-hour window. It's just you can't really do a lot with that. So... I was back to, well, now what I'm going to do. And I finally just decided I'm going to go to law school. I've been, you know, pussyfooting around that for a long time. And I said, I'm applying to one school, Florida State. If I get in, I'm going. If I'm not, I'll regroup. But I got in and told my husband this is happening. And that's kind of been off to the races ever since. I did get the opportunity to become a, um, I was sworn in at 1130 and made a name partner of a 35-year-old law firm at 4 o'clock the same day. And I, I got thrown in the deep end And everybody was hoping I could swim And good luck, Dana And so that was up to me to make it happen
0: <laughs> Guys, there is so much more to talk about When we come back from the break I've got a question about something that is in One of the very first pages of Dana's book And uh, stay with us Because when we come back, I'm going to ask her You're listening to Heather Solves Everything We'll be right back Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying today's show, come on over to Facebook and Instagram. That's where I post all of the extra stuff, and I'd love to connect with you there. Don't go anywhere. The conversation continues right now. Welcome back, everybody. This is Coach Healthy Heather. You're listening to Heather Solves Everything. I'm here today with my guest, Dana Brooks. She is the author of Functional Feminism, an a political guide to women's empowerment. But it's not just for ladies. It's for everybody who wants to be enlightened to living in true partnership with each other. You know, and I think that that's something that we're striving for whether we know it or not is how to live in partnership with each other it doesn't have to be harmony all Mm -hmm, the time but we got to work together we've Mm got to be on the same team Um, I really enjoyed your book and I'm one of the people who likes to read the acknowledgments Mm -hmm. of a book as a writer I know that it's never just one person like there's one person's name on the front as the author but it's a (laughs) multifaceted project oh yeah with a lot of people And something in your acknowledgments really stood out to me, and I wanted to to ask you to expand on it. Sure. It says, to my heroes and sheroes, most of whom didn't realize I'd given them that job. I identified you. I watched you. I emulated you until I figured out who I was. Thank you for the guidance you never knew you gave me. And what I'm curious about in that is what
1: attracts you to the people who you watch just what they look like they're doing like you know some of the things you've said about me it looks like I've got it together because my bus, you know, face is on 22 buses or whatever oh you know they must you know they don't do that for unsuccessful people they must have something um same with me it's just I, I looked at some people and I thought boy she really seems to have it together she really seems to be doing it and I would watch them and try to observe what I could. And these are people that they may have been people I worked with. They may have been, sometimes they were professors and teachers. Uh, I remember the first one was my eighth grade English teacher. Uh, she just impressed me so much. All her clothes came from casual corners. She was so put together. <laughs> and I just thought she was so elegant and lovely, but she was very serious and educated and poised. And I thought, I want to be her. I saw how people revered her. Um, and I thought that's who I want to be. And I didn't know enough about i'd never heard the term mentoring when i needed one and so i didn't know how to go reach out to someone and say hey would you help me get where you are or explain yourself to me i'm almost glad i didn't because i know what most people would say which is i'm not anywhere near as put together as i look that's how it always is when you pull back a veneer you find out that oh she loses it sometimes or she just screamed at her kids or um you know she missed an important deadline she's not perfect so I'm glad to some degree I didn't, you know, pull back the curtain and see what some <laughs> of those people were really like.
0: So, guys, here's a, here's a little bit of a of a tip here. Think about who in your life has been that for you. Who has gotten your attention? Who have you watched and been curious about? Who have you wanted to ask if you could just kind of tag along with them for the day so that you could learn from how they live and in whatever type of quiet time you have whether it's in the morning whether it's in the evening whether it's when you're walking just shoot some gratitude to them they're gonna get it they're gonna feel it and hopefully somebody's watching you too Mm -hmm. and and just trying is going to make you the kind of person that somebody thinks in the acknowledgement section Mm -hmm. of their book when you see somebody reading your book, what do you want them to get from it? And, and the reason I ask is because the chapters are, you know, autobiographical, but also include lessons and um practical application, you know, how to that functional element, how to take what I've learned and what I've experienced and what I'm what I'm telling you and actually put it into practice in your life. But what do you hope people get from it when they read your book?
1: Women, I hope it helps raise our collective gender self-esteem. I feel like we get a message very early on that we lost the birth lotto, we're second place, we're second class citizens, we're in a supporting role. We're supposed to look a certain way, act a certain way. We're um, we're sort of a supplement. We're we're there to enhance the dominant experience, which tends to be the male experience. Whether it's you know not embarrassing our our father and our family by our conduct growing up, um, whether it's by you know choosing the right way to live your life, it's always or how to how to make your home. It's kind of always about stay in your lane Mm -hmm. remember who you are and what your role is in the world so i'm trying to get get women to first of all recognize they do that so many women don't realize that i i one time used to I, i do a lot of speaking engagements and i used to ask people to carry around a clicker and click it every time you show deference to a man for no other reason than his gender we were always told, "Don't ever emasculate a man. Don't embarrass a man. It's the worst thing you could do." But they weren't taught that same thing about supporting us and always being respectful of us and building us up. So that's the main thing I want for women and for men. I want them to understand what feminism is. It doesn't. It's it's um, more rights for us doesn't mean fewer for you. Yeah, you know, it's not pie. Exactly, there's plenty of it. <laughs> right. So I, I want them to understand uh, why women want more than what you think they should have or what you were raised to expect them to have. Why that's not a threat to you, and why, in fact, you should get on board with it, and how it'll help you mm-hmm. and in your life be a lot better when everyone feels supported and nurtured, and um, you know, whenever both parties want the other party that the other party's success if it's important to them as their own.
0: That's really the key: is everybody wanting success for everyone yeah and that it only happens when we show up with with unconditional positive regard for each other Mm -hmm. of you know who what whoever you are whatever your experiences have been whatever you bring to the table I honor you as a person Mm -hmm. who has value and worth and who has strengths that haven't even been uncovered yet Right. and that we start there and then start putting together our strengths to figure out, okay, so how do we take what you've got and what I've got and whatever else we can bring in and do something to move yeah. this forward?
1: Yeah, the synergistic effect is better than the sum of two parts. Mm-hmm. But you've got to you know, kind of remove your blinders and the way you're looking at the world and say, okay, maybe I need to look at it a different way. Just try it. I promise it won't kill you. You'll learn things and you'll grow. You'll help other people grow.
0: I always uh, remind my clients sometimes when they're about to try something new, you can always go back to the old way. Yeah, it's
1: not going anywhere. Like if
0: it's the worst experience you've yeah. ever had to be in partnership with other people or in partnership with yourself, you can go back to, yeah. to, to hating everything.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can. Your misery will be there if you <laughs> want to revisit it. Exactly. You can always. No one's, go no back. one's fighting you for it. It'll Nobody be there. has
0: ever taken me up on that offer. No.
1: no. <laughs> Even though that could be comfortable, you know, you, sure. you do what's familiar to you and what you know. But
0: yeah. I, um, I'm curious, you know, you're a mother mm-hmm. of three daughters.
1: Well, I have one daughter who's 28, <laughs> but I was married 20 years to somebody and we were raising our kids together that gotcha. whole time His kids are a little bit older and then just a tad bit younger than mine. So three girls, pretty much similar in age.
0: When you think about young, young women coming up, you know in the world regardless of what their aspirations are whether it's to be in the courtroom or whether it's to be a stay-at-home mom mm-hmm. you know just present for you know every moment what is your advice to them
1: the the both settings the women in both settings, well if if you take the route to where you pretty much hand off your financial security to another partner i just want you to do it with your eyes open i want it to be an informed intelligent decision Uh, I need you to plan for the three Ds, as I call them, divorce, death, and disability. Um, So many times people can spend years together, and they think they're a team. They build each other's businesses, and then a 30-something-year-old marriage ends, and one of them will claim, well, I worked, and you did nothing the whole time. So you don't know who these people are until things go south. So go ahead. What's the downside of preparing for that eventual case? If it doesn't happen, it's fine, but at least you're prepared for it. I'm not telling people go everybody needs to be a career person, everybody needs to do what Dana did. I'm not, but I do think you need to make your decisions with your eyes wide open. And if you are someone who makes your own money and you want to cohabit couple, make sure you protect your money. There's so many times, you know, with, uh, men and women do it. We all do it, but you know, you love that person, you really want them to get, you know, get ahead so y'all can have this great life together and you can't wait to do it. So you start using your money to pay off his debts or you take on his money because you got better credit, you can get a better rate. Next thing you know, nobody's in love and you got a lot of debt. So I just ask women to be very open-eyed whenever they make romantic decisions, especially.
0: When you, protecting your own interests does not necessarily mean telling somebody that you don't have faith in them and you don't Mm -hmm. trust them. It's just a practical approach to making sure that the two of you are going to be able to function Mm -hmm. um, well together or on your own. Well,
1: it's a very rational thing to do. And if you can't agree on things like that before you couple, I'm worried about your coupling. Mm -hmm. You know, if that's so outrageous to you before you even get married, surely other things are going to be difficult for you two to manage as well so I I don't think anybody would be upset when someone says I just feel like I need to protect myself this makes me vulnerable you know
0: well you know you said you've got three d's I have three d's also when we come back from the break I'm going to share them with you and I'm going to find out which ones of them resonate with you so hang with us guys you're listening to Heather solves everything and we'll be right back Hey guys, it's Healthy Heather, and I'm so excited to announce that my book is ready for you to pre-order. It's called Happy Healthy You, Breaking the Rules for a Well-Balanced Life. We're going to explore how to understand your values and priorities, set boundaries, create a true vision for your life, and enjoy the benefits of healthy living right now. It's a 52-week guide, your path to finding a healthy lifestyle that suits your unique needs. I can't wait for you to read it. It'll be in stores May 2022, but you can pre-order it now wherever books are sold. Welcome back, everybody. This is Coach Healthy Heather, and you're listening to Heather Solves Everything. This is the show where I take credit for solving your problems by introducing you to people who actually have good ideas for solutions. And today, that person is Dana Brooks. She is a Tallahassee-based attorney and the author of Functional Feminism, an apolitical guide to women's empowerment. And in our last segment, she was telling us about the three D's that she warns women about when it comes to... um, how they should structure their lives before going into marriage. What are those three D's, Dana?
1: Well, you've got to plan for death if this person is not around and they're your primary income earner, uh, if they're disabled. A lot of people don't think about that. But, um, you know, if you're uh, married to a surgeon, it could be a human surgeon, a tree surgeon. Those are physical jobs. And if they can't perform their job anymore, not only are they not covering the bills, they're a new dependent for you to deal with. And that is part of what you signed up for. Uh, And then the other one is divorce, you know, if someone leaves. People, you know, it takes two people to get married, only one to leave. And you've got to, you know, kind of wonder what you're going to do if that happens. If you've been out of the job market a long time. Um, especially this job market you know the skills you need to compete right now if you could be actively engaged in the job market and not keep up your skills much less you know being out of the home in the home out of the work mar- market for like five six years or so the world will pass you by mm-hmm. it just does mm-hmm. so you've got to know that just because you had that degree and you were rolling before you got married it's not like you hit the pause button and you take the call back up and you're right where you were it doesn't work that way
0: well I that is, when if you find yourself in that situation, you're going to want my three Ds. Okay. And I talk about these three Ds, guys, in more depth in um, the episode, a couple, of, a couple of episodes back with Adam Kay um, about creating balance. And um, if you listen to that, you'll hear more in depth about the three Ds. But I've got three things that my most successful clients have in common. And that is that they feel that they deserve a good outcome. And they deserve what it takes to achieve it. So whether that means you know, space to work, time for themselves, they deserve the outcome and they deserve what it takes to achieve it. They are determined. They are determined to do what's necessary to protect themselves and to create the life that they want for themselves. And they're disciplined. You know, they've created a structure where they hold themselves accountable or they connect with people who can hold them accountable and so that they stick to that disciplined process. And if you end up in any of Dana's 3Ds, you can tap into my 3Ds to get yourself out of it.
1: Focus on her 3Ds. (laughs) Hope mine never come to pass.
0: mine are much more fun.
1: Yours (laughs) yours are, are better on the day in, day out.
0: So, you know, I, I, another thing that I read, um, that, that really stood out to me that I wanted to, um, to expand on, I don't know what page this is on, um, in the book, it's in somewhere near the beginning, but you say, like Dorothy in Kansas, almost everything we need to succeed in life is already within our possession. We just haven't realized it yet. Yeah. And this is a concept that people often describe as occupying one's space. I hear this from women a lot right now. I hear words like, I want to be seen. I want to be heard. I matter. And you go on to say, my immediate response is, well, of course you do. What on earth made you think you didn't? And then I remember, what on earth? is their entire experience here. Every message they've heard since they were little girls has told them they are here to play a supporting role, mm-hmm. never the star. And that concept of what on earth is their entire experience here was like a light bulb over my head of, well, that makes perfect sense. The, all we know is what we've experienced sure. and what other people have told us.
1: Yeah, think how brave it is to have thought otherwise. You would have somebody like that, a child who thought like that would be accused of um, daydreaming Mm -hmm. all the time. Or a woman who just believes she could be the star. She would be called extra. Mm -hmm. You know, you you envision somebody like Marilyn Monroe. Someone just says, nope, I'm having an over-the-top life and mm-hmm. I'm doing all the stuff that all the women are not supposed to do and I'm going out there but she was not at all mainstream she was you know aberrant as she could be so I'm I'm trying to get women to like you said deserve it that's the number one thing I hear too is people are like well I know I could I just and they would they almost don't articulate that but that's what they're saying is mm-hmm. I don't think I'm good enough for that I don't think I'm special enough for that life I think I do need to just be back here with the pack uh, but somebody's got to emerge from the pack and lead the pack and somebody's got to go first. When that happens, you'd be surprised. You look behind you. There's a lot of people coming with you. Some some things to listen to
0: in your self talk if you're thinking about, you know, is that, is that me? Am I saying that I don't deserve it? Some things that you might be saying to yourself is, um, well, I haven't done this thing, this thing, and this mm-hmm, thing yet. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I, yes, I know a lot about that, but I don't have a degree in it. I'm not certified. I'm not qualified for that. You know, some of the things that we um, also can call imposter syndrome. Yes. You know, I don't deserve to be here. I'm not as smart as these people. Mm -hmm. You might also be saying to yourself, you know, I've already, I've made my bed and I have to sleep in it. You know, I've I've made these choices and I have to abide by them. Uh, Not necessarily true. You know, you almost always have an opportunity to turn things around you do and I'm curious Dana what you do to maintain those three D's in your life you know the the determination and the discipline and something that we talk about a lot in this show boundaries yeah what are your personal habits for identifying your priorities and protecting your boundaries
1: the habits for them um time is a big boundary Mm -hmm. of mine because I like to make myself available to people, but I am in front of so many people and they take me up on it a lot. And I could have a full week of nothing but meeting with people for 30 minutes, an hour at a time. So I remind myself that, that although that's important, I can't let it bump other things because women have that servant heart. Naturally. We're just, we feel selfish too easily. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not selfish to maintain your, your boundaries. It is, um, I call it taking care of a vital operating system. You change, you know, the oil in your car. You rotate your tires because you don't want to run it into the ground. You've got to treat yourself like that, like you have infinite um, ability to meet other people's needs. You've got to fill your own tank, meet your own needs. And it's not selfish. It's self-care, in -hmm. my view. Uh, I lack the uh, discipline part (laughs) because I like to have fun. Mm -hmm. I mean, I will literally go, I don't want to do this. I want to go out with them in the boat. Um, so, and I'm single and I live alone, except for my two dogs. They, they give me that discipline part. <laughs> but, you know, you can develop bad habits when you don't have an accountability partner. Somebody not looking at you like, you're going to eat that? Really? You know, mm-hmm. you, it's, it's, or you could sleep all day. Um, but then I, I, I forgive myself. Sometimes I do want to sleep more than the average person does. And I do not feel guilty about it because I know I needed it. I learned to listen to my body instead of other people's judgments and thoughts about what I should be doing and how I should live my life. Um, Deserve that was hard for me because I came from a background where it was quite clear I was a have not. That was my nose was rubbed in that. I was acutely aware of of how poor I was growing up, and I hated that. And I I always thought, well, um, I could be married to a lawyer, but it won't be the one I meet in college. It'll be one who's divorced and is a lot older, who's got some, you know, hits on him or something. You know what I mean? There was something Mm -hmm. always in my mind saying that perfect path is not available to somebody like you. You, know, you didn't have a dad growing up, raised by a single mom, didn't go to college the right way. You can have it, but you can't have the best the part one. of it, the pretty one or the unblemished right. thing.
0: You get something from yeah. the used rack.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. You 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 get thrift store. And I'm not trying to you know, put down my ex husband or anything, but that was kind of my thinking. Mm-hmm. Um and, and it's just you get in your head with things And you think that a life is not available to you Because you're not worth it Then you get to the point where you With me, I had so many successes I realized, well, you know They really aren't smarter than me I'd be around <laughs> a bunch of, of, of lawyers and I held them such high esteem But I'd be like... You're not blowing my mind every day. I think I could do that. And then next thing you know, I could do that. And then I get to law school. Well, if I just graduate, that'll be good. No, I want to make dean's list every semester. And I did. I want to graduate, you know, with high honors. And I did. Once I found out I could do it, then I knew that. And then that became a new standard for me. I will do this. So I got the deserving part out of the way um, kind of later in life, mm-hmm. kind of like late 30s, early 40s, did I actually really believe I deserved all the things that were happening to me and that that life that I fantasized about is actually available and attainable to me. The uh, determination I got to work on, the accountability. I'm a procrastinator and I like to have fun, but I hold myself to a certain standard. I know I can do more than I have been doing, so that will be disappointing, but from an objective Outsider looking at my life, they go, "Are you crazy? She did this. She did this. She did this." But I know what I'm capable of. I know oh. my best version of myself, and I need to keep challenging myself to do that because I have a lot more to offer.
0: Oh, that is, I get that all the time. Yeah, I, I often will will say, "Oh, I, you know, I, I, ha- I need to do this. I need to do this. I need to do this," because they're personal goals that I have. Yeah, and and I'll get a lot of times, you know, you do so much already. Yeah. You know how why you know why why are you still striving for more? It's like, well, because I can't not. You know, Like it's just part of who I am
1: And I think that's a good thing to do Is compete with your best self Or your best version of yourself Versus what we typically do Which is compete with everybody else You know she made more money than me So I need to make more money Her kids are better behaved than my kids No you go for the best version of your life And everything else will be okay
0: Oh man guys Go for the best version of yourself And everything else will be okay Stay with us. When we come back from the break, we're going to dive in more. I've got some ideas for ways that you can start creating the best version of your life. It's Heather Solves Everything. Stay with us. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying today's show, come on over to Facebook and Instagram. That's where I post all of the extra stuff and I'd love to connect with you there. Don't go anywhere. The conversation continues right now. Welcome back, everybody. This is Coach Healthy Heather and you're listening to Heather Solves Everything. And today we're talking about a lot of stuff. We're talking about functional feminism. What does that mean? How do we allow space for everybody to be equally represented without feeling like that means less for somebody else somehow? Equal for everyone means equal for everyone. We're talking about how the way we talk to ourselves can impact the path that we feel brave enough to travel or that we feel we deserve to travel. My guest, Dana Brooks, has gone down a lot of paths in life. Some of them, she was charting the course. Some of them, other people were. But along the way, she has been her own person. And we've been talking today about how her lived experiences resulted in the writing of her book, Functional Feminism. An A-Political Guide to Women's Empowerment, which is available online at Amazon and also at your local bookseller. If you call them and tell them that you want it, they will order it for you. And I recommend that you do that. And after you read it, I wonder if you will think about some of the ideas that I'm going to share with you. Because get ready. I'm going to get coachy on you. (laughs) Now, I don't know when you are listening to this, it might not be the end of the school year, but at the time we're recording it, it is. We are getting close to the end of the school year. And I remember being in high school and having an English teacher who encouraged us to write a letter to our future selves. And I loved this idea. I loved this project because, I mean, I am all about that. And uh, she collected our letters, and she had our home addresses, and there was no guarantee that it would ever get to us in the future, but she did mail it to the home address that we had in high school later in life. And honestly, I don't remember if I got mine, but I loved the idea of writing it. You know, it's fun to reflect back on what a younger version of yourself may have considered to be profound and sage advice, you know, to compare how you thought things were going to turn out to How they actually did, but I wonder sometimes if the reverse could also be meaningful, and what our future selves would say if we could go back to where we where we were and give ourselves advice. I often encourage my clients to look around to see what's written on their walls, what is happening in their lives that if they took time to look, they would see as clues to what's coming in the future. Hindsight is 2020. we reflect after a catastrophe that the signs were written on the wall and the same thing happens in our lives. If we take the time to look and then send a message to our future selves, we could save ourselves a lot of time and headache. Now, of course, we can't predict the future, but we can draw a reasonable conclusion based on logic and common sense to determine whether our current situation is one that's likely to end well or otherwise. You know, Dana shared with us her three D's to plan for. The signs are there. A growing list of medications. That's a sign. A doctor advising a lifestyle change or else. That is a sign. Increasing forgetfulness. A sense of overwhelm. The person who you thought was your partner for life suddenly not showing up. These are signs. And I wonder if we reflect back on the life that we've led up to this point, what advice you would give to a younger version of yourself knowing what you know now? now countless books have been written on the wisdom of the ages and the lessons that we learn over the course of a lifetime. You know, don't sweat the small stuff. Forgive early and often by the accident policy. And of course, we listen and we nod and we reflect, but we mostly go on with our lives because the luxury of spending more time with family is easy for someone at the end of their life to suggest. When the practical application of that good advice is harder to achieve in the time when you've got all the balls in the air. Many things are easier said than done. Many of the smartest, wisest choices seem possible if only, if only things were a little different, a little less hectic, a little less expensive, a little less inconvenient. And those barriers are legitimate and real, but let's just put them to the side for a minute and pretend like they're not there. And instead, let's try some of these techniques for hearing the wisdom of your future self. Ask for advice. Ask for it. This idea might seem a little bit out there, but go with me. Just close your eyes. Connect with yourself. Ask for your wisdom to come to the surface and listen. Listen for what your heart and soul are saying to you. Do you remember when in Dead Poet Society, Robin Williams had the guys lean into the trophy case to hear the wisdom of the students who had come before them? It's just like that, but you're listening to yourself. You know, you know what you need. Ask yourself for advice and listen and believe what you hear. And if that's too out there, here's your second tip. Pretend that you are not yourself. Pretend that you are giving advice to someone else. If a friend was headed on the path that you are now, what advice would you want to give them? What would you want to say? And what would you not say for fear of hurting their feelings? Tell that to yourself. Be honest with yourself in a kind way and believe it. Third, write your own ending. I was amazed once by the story of a man who wrote his own obituary in advance of his death. And he didn't like what it said. So he tore it up and he wrote a better one. And then he lived that life. A slight shift in habits can change the course of your entire life if you take the time to look at where you are now and then decide, do I want to keep going this direction? Write your life cycle. And if you don't like it, write a different one and live it. Your future self is up ahead trying to make eye contact with you in a significant way, trying to send you a message Read the writing on the walls of your life. What does it say? Will you believe it? Do you believe that you can write something different? We talked earlier about positive communication with ourselves. You know, how we talk in terms of self-doubt. I don't deserve this. But sometimes I hear things like, I'll do better next time. No one is perfect. At least it wasn't as bad as it could have been. And even though those sentiments sound negative. I hear positive there. I hear that even though they're said by someone who feels like a failure, they could see the potential of it being better. I'll do better next time. No one is perfect, but we can keep trying. At least it wasn't as bad as it could have been, meaning there's always more. I hear positive, and I like to latch onto that and explore that. Because even in those negative sounding statements, there's hopeful optimism that things could change. And change can be hard, but most of us are up for the challenge. We encounter change every day, and we manage to navigate it with relative ease. The change that really stops us in our tracks is not when it's difficult, but when it's uncomfortable, when it pushes us out of our comfort zone. And sometimes there are reasons why we resist change. You know, when you write that letter to yourself in the future and then you think, oh gosh, I can't do those things. There might be one of these reasons. The first one, you might not believe that it's possible. You might not believe you deserve it. You do deserve it. It might be that the pain of staying the same is less than the pain of change and you're choosing less pain and that is totally legit but trust me there are people here who are going to stand next to you hold your hand and walk through that pain with you so that you can get through it and it could be that you just feel like it's too much work it might not be painful but the logistics are too much start small start with the easiest thing you don't have to do it all at once. Just get going. If you feel like you could do better next time, believe it and try it. Get it to, wow, I did it. Knowing that when you believe in yourself and you believe that you deserve to have a good outcome and you deserve to have a support system behind you and you deserve to have people like Dana in your life who will cheer you on, then just take that first step. Guys, we did it. We solved another problem with a little help from our friends. Dana, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Guys, you can listen to Heather Solves Everything on Apple Podcasts, and you can find me on Instagram. And if you have a problem to solve, just visit heathersolveseverything.com and click on Solve My Problems to submit a show topic idea, and we will get it done together. Thanks for listening, guys. I hope that something great happens for you today. I'm Healthy Heather, and I'm always here to help you solve everything.
1: To connect with Heather
0: and find out more about today's show, just look for Heather Solves Everything on Facebook and Instagram. With a little help from your friends, you can solve everything, too.